When it comes to being a successful politician in the 21st century, is it better to have style or substance? Can you climb the ladder to power anymore without a good bit of charisma? And if you're only full of sound bites, can you actually govern? Well, let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Welcome to Let Me Explain. I'm Sean Defoe, and don't forget to hit that big red subscribe button. While I have you, also a shout out this week to Frank Graney, whose second season of the Inside the Crime podcast is out this week, looking at the unsolved murder of Charles Self in the early 1980s. Season one was riveting, and I've no doubt season two is going to be the same. Our own producer on the show, Lachlan, has been working with Frank on this one, so that's how you know it's going to be good. So go subscribe to Inside the Crime wherever it is you get your podcasts. On Let Me Explain this week, how outsized a role does personality play in politics now? Like, obviously, it's always been a part in democracy. People have to like you for you to get their votes. But in the age of the 24-7 social media news cycle, you have to appeal to people every day, sometimes every hour, which is a very different challenge. So has the cult of personality taken even more importance than actually being good at governing? Good evening. The television and radio stations of the United States and their affiliated stations are proud to provide facilities for a discussion of issues in the current political campaign by the two major candidates for the presidency. This era of showmanship in politics was really ushered in in 1960. That year's US presidential election saw the first televised debate between two candidates. For the Democrats, John F. Kennedy, the young and dynamic senator from Massachusetts. I should make it very clear that I do not think we're doing enough. That I am not satisfied as an American with the progress that we are making. This is a great country, but I think it could be a greater country. And this is a powerful country, but I think it could be a more powerful country. And for the Republicans, Vice President Richard Nixon. There is no question but that this nation cannot stand still because we are in a deadly competition. A competition not only with the men in the Kremlin, but the men in Peking. We're ahead in this competition, as Senator Kennedy, I think, is implied. But when you're in a race, the only way to stay ahead is to move ahead. Interestingly, radio listeners mostly called the debate either a draw or a win for Nixon. But those watching on TV mostly thought Kennedy won, and pretty comfortably. He was the picture of health, confidently addressing the camera, and though his campaign denied it, quite a few suggestions that he'd had his makeup done by the team beforehand, which now they all do, obviously, but at the time would have been a relatively new phenomenon. Nixon, meanwhile, he was recovering from a bout of flu, was visibly sweating, and kept shifting his eyes between the cameras and reporters in studio. Not a great look for Tricky Dick. I know Senator Kennedy feels as deeply about these problems as I do, but our disagreement is not about the goals for America, but only about the means to reach those goals. So while the substance of what they said wasn't actually all that different, this is the first time in the modern era that the performance swayed more voters. And from there, things snowballed, with politicians reacting to the media of the time. Ronald Reagan, for example, taking to telling Soviet jokes. Man walking along the street at night, Moscow. Soviet soldier called to him to halt. He started to run the show. Soldier shot him. Another man said, why did you do that? Well, he said, curfew. Well, he said, it isn't curfew yet. He said, I know. He's a friend of mine. I know where he lives. He couldn't have made it. (laughs) I heard one about a fellow who went to the KGB to report that he lost his parrot. The KGB asked him why he was bothering him. Why didn't he just report it to the local police? 
But he answered, I just want you to know that I don't agree with a thing my parrot has to say. Or Bill Clinton in 1992 wearing dark sunglasses and playing the saxophone on late night TV. Right up to the modern day performers. The Iranians are great negotiators. And we have people that are babies. It's like a chess player, grandmaster, playing against a checkers child. No, that's what it is. We give them, think of it, a nuclear scientist, and they won't give us a hostages back. The election of Donald Trump in 2016 was a tsunami wave that hit politics, and I'm not sure it's ever going to be the same again. Remember where the Republicans were coming from at the time, eight years out of the White House, two well-respected establishment candidates in John McCain and Mitt Romney losing to Obama, and then along comes Trump. I am officially running, and we are going to make our country great again. He won the presidency and then lost it again, but in the process took a complete stranglehold on the Republican Party by engaging their base in a way that no one else in the party today has managed to do. And by the time you listen to this, you're probably going to know the outcome of the midterm elections, which Trump has stacked with supporters of his as candidates, either for governor or for Congress, while also ousting critics. Three-term Congresswoman Liz Cheney, for example, who was targeted after voting to impeach Trump and lost her Republican primary as a result. She said the cost of remaining office was made clear to her. It would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. It would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. So here you have a case of one personality effectively taking over a party and dictating everything it stands for. But it's been very effective for the Republicans. While Trump lost in 2020, lots of Republicans got elected on his back. And interestingly, he lost to a candidate that just doesn't have that same level of flair. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. I'm, we're going to get a lot done. Now, Joe Biden has been plenty able to deliver a fiery speech in his day and over his career, but he's lost some of that energy in recent years to the points where the Democrats really heavily lent on Barack Obama in recent weeks on the midterm campaign trail. Truth and facts and logic and reason and basic decency are on the ballot. Democracy itself is on the ballot. The stakes are high. And Obama is another interesting debate in himself of style over substance. Many people would argue that he's one of those rare world leaders who had both. He could certainly manage a crowd either with a fiery speech or even with a song. Amazing grace How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
But there is a real debate being had about how much Obama's presidencies actually changed things for the better in America and a very large cohort of people in the US who believe that, frankly, Trump did a better job. And that's not the only place that debate is happening. Look at our neighbours in the UK. A very strong argument to be made, and I can't believe that I'm saying this, that of the last four British Prime Ministers, the best one was the goofy one without a grasp of detail. Yesterday I went, uh, as, as we all must, to, to Peppa Pig World. In fact, I was a bit hazy what I would find at Peppa Pig World, uh, but I loved it. And Peppa Pig World is, is very much my kind of place. Uh, it, 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 it has... Uh, a uh, very safe streets, uh, discipline in schools, uh, heavy emphasis on new mass transit systems, I, I notice, uh, even if they're a bit stereotypical about, about Daddy Pig. Remember, David Cameron calls Brexit. I will do everything I can as Prime Minister to steady the ship over the coming weeks and months. But I do not think it would be right for me to try to be the captain that steers our country to its next destination. An awkward Theresa May, definitely in the substance over style camp, couldn't deliver Brexit. I tried three times. I believe it was right to persevere, even when the odds against success seemed high. Boris Johnson got Brexit done, well, sort of, won a whopping Commons majority, but then couldn't keep himself from his own scandals. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. And Liz Truss, well, maybe she was neither style nor substance and that ended badly. Given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. Rishi Sunak, it remains to be seen on, but he's viewed within the political sphere at least as someone who is of serious substance or has maybe a a bit of an awkward, a bit of a goofy personality and not necessarily in a good way. So in the UK, these big personalities like Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage and Jacob Rees-Mogg, they've been the ones driving the conversation, toppling governments in some cases, and it's really hard to say that that's worked out for the better. For example, would Theresa May have made a really good Prime Minister in any other time if she didn't have Johnson and the Brexiteers harassing her all the way and changing the goalposts on a Brexit deal, along with the DUP, let's not forget. Conversely, British Labour had someone who was a big personality in Jeremy Corbyn, who had this very clear vision of what he wanted Britain to be, albeit way out of left field, and got trounced at the last election. And now they've got Keir Starmer, who I think is a pretty weak performer. And if the election was tomorrow, they'd comfortably win. But is that less to do with Labour than what the big personalities within the Tory party have done to destroy their own credibility? So you can have all the substance you like, but personalities might be what people notice. This is a show motion. It's a publicity stunt. It was designed to get coverage and airtime for Sinn Féin politicians who have no real solutions to the problems that our country faces, just snappy sound bites that tested well with your expensive focus groups. What about here at home? Do Irish people lean more towards style or substance? I mean, Micheál Martin, it's fair to say, is not in the camp of the showman, even though he can deliver a line in a speech when needed. But he does regularly decry the lack of substance from others. So everything that possibly can be done will be done. Your proposals lack depth and lack substance, Deputy. And there is absolutely no evidence at all that they would result uh, in any uh, reduction in rent. 
Leo Varadkar, on the other hand, you'd have to say definitely has a style. It might not be one you always agree with or like, but he does have a great way with words and a presence about him. Some might even remember that late night Christmas radio show he presented on Radio 1 when he was a minister, mind. Mary Lou MacDonald also winning big on style points, really good speaker, particularly off the cuff and has carefully cultivated this image of the people's Taoiseach. She wears Adidas gazelle shoes into the doll for leaders' questions and has long been one of the best debaters in the Oireachtas. And both Faradkar and MacDonald do have a good grasp of the detail of what they're talking about, even if you disagree with them. The Labour Party in Ireland... I think it's one in the middle of a serious style crisis. They've long been preaching that they are substance over sound bites, make the hard decisions that other populist parties of the left won't, but then have repeatedly been kicked electorally, especially since that disastrous stint in government a decade ago. And until recently, they had a leader who, there's no doubt, had an awful lot of style. What the hell is going on here? You're responsible to Dáil Éireann. You're responsible to the people of Ireland and you're refusing to give out the estimated figures for vaccines for the next three months, which the whole country is dependent on. It's not acceptable. Part of the problem for Alan Kelly, he didn't have an off switch and that same bombastic style that worked very well for him in the Dáil grated behind the scenes and before long there was an internal coup to replace him with Ivana Bacic. Now she is a very noteworthy, very worthy politician and campaigner but hadn't won an election up to her last and there's been no Bacic bounce for the party in the polls as they continue to fade into the background. I personally think it was a mistake and an example of where one person's style can actually keep you holding on to some of the media attention even when times are bad and you can see that if you go back in Irish history there are times when style over substance has worked disastrously. I'm thinking Bertie Ahern, man of the people, won three elections um, and then the entire house cards came crashing down with huge consequences for all of us. So I think where I'm landing on this is that personality ultimately drives politics, without a doubt. Even with the best policies and manifesto in the world, if you can't sell it, it's not getting done. But that trend isn't always good for democracy. And yes, America, I'm looking at you. But we see it elsewhere. Trump, Boris, Marine Le Pen in France, Georgia Maloney in Italy. Strong personalities pushing the general debate to the right. But sometimes it works out differently. I'm thinking of a particular Eastern European country, which literally elected a clown, a comedian and actor. Hello? Good morning, Mr. Kolobarochka. Can I connect you with Angela Merkel? Yes, you can connect. Hello, my congratulations. We decided to take your country to the European Union. Oh, fuck! I'm sorry, wow! Oh, you know, I'm so happy. Yes. Oh, oh, and uh, thank you very much, all the uh, Ukrainians and uh, all of our country. Oh, we've been waiting for this so much time. Ukrainians? Yes, Ukrainians. Oh, I'm so sorry, that's a mistake. I was calling to Montenegro. For... Mon- Mon- Montenegro? Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Yeah, my, my congratulations, yes, to Montenegro. Vladimir Zelensky went from his TV show where he played the president to real life. The war continues. The acts of terror against peaceful people go on. It breaks my heart, hearts of all Ukrainians and every free person on the planet. 
That's why I ask you to stand against the war. He was considered a bit of a joke politically, but has stood up with more strength than I think most world leaders would have. So style will always be important, but there needs to be something underneath it. Thanks for listening to this week's Let Me Explain. Don't forget to hit subscribe and also go seek out Frank Rainey's Inside the Crime. The show was presented and researched by myself, Sean Defoe, with John Kyo as editor and Lachlan Hart on sound. I'll chat to you next week.